Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Hey, welcome to It Could Happen Here. This is Robert Evans, uh, and this is a podcast about things falling apart. Uh, and today, we definitely have a things, well, I don't know, hopefully not falling apart, but certainly getting fucked up episode for you. Um, this is going to be but a part of the world that of. Uh, Probably fairly few Americans spend much time thinking about. Um, it's certainly a conflict that's kind of been lost in everything that's happening in Ukraine right now. Um, but Armenia and Azerbaijan, their neighbor, have been at a state of more or less regular war since 2020. Um, since longer than that, but this kind of latest wave of it started in 2020. Um, it was over a breakaway, re- well, what's often referred to as a breakaway we- region that both countries uh, claimed and that stayed kind of independent for a very long time uh, until a 2020 invasion by the Azeris in this area, which is majority Armenian. Um, and it was kind of a military disaster for the Armenian side. Uh, the war went very badly. A lot of troops were killed. A lot of territory was taken. And ever since, the Azeri military has been carrying out border strikes in and around areas that are kind of near their shared border with Armenia. Um, Over the last 10 hours, as I record this, and and I'm talking to you all on Monday, uh, the 13th of September, over the last about 10 hours, 
um, the Azeri military has launched a fairly unprecedented set of strikes within Armenian territory. Um, so not just kind of hitting border areas and not just hitting military targets, but hitting cities, hitting civilian uh, areas, trying to move troops across the border. There's video evidence of this. Um, to talk about what's happening, what's been happening in the past over the last couple of years and what's happening now, um, I'd like to welcome on Joe Kasabian. Joe, you will know from his podcast, Lions Led by Donkeys, uh, from his book, The Hooligans of Kandahar, and uh, a number of other books that I think we'll talk about a little bit at the end here, uh, from his appearances on the Behind the Bastard. Joe, you are an American citizen, but you're also Armenian, and you're currently in Armenia. Yeah. Um, I moved here a couple months ago permanently. Um, uh, citizenship is, we kind of have like our own repatriation laws, uh, but I'm still waiting on that. Um, and so to, to go off a couple of things that you said, we've been at a state of war effectively since the nineties when we first gained yeah. independence from the Soviet union, um, without going into the incredibly complicated history of Nagorno-Karabakh or Artsakh, um, Artsakh still exists. Uh, they did not take all of it in 2020. Um, but 2020 was a military disaster for Armenia, uh, uh, unequivocally. So, uh, we lost over 4,000 people. Um, huge swaths of territory where uh, their population became the victims of a regional genocide. Um, there are no Armenians uh, that have been confirmed to still be alive within that territory. Um, there's endless videos of Azeri troops beheading old men and women and, and destroying homes and cemeteries and churches. Um, and ever since uh, the war ended in 2020, a month has not gone by where um, either Artsakh or Armenia itself has not been attacked. Uh, we've probably lost over uh, 100 soldiers since then. Um, these are kids. They're conscripts. We have um, military mandatory service here. Um, so these are 18, 19-year-old kids doing their two years of service on top of the civilians that are currently being bombed. We, we don't know how many people are dead at the moment. Um, and it's, um, it's, it's truly aggravating. I mean, Armenians live with this all the time. It's a sword hanging over our heads when this is going to happen. Um, 2020 happened with uh, unprecedented international support. And not only support, but willing, uh, willingly ignoring it. Um, I mean, NATO powers helped Azerbaijan do this. Um, Turkey and and Israel, Israel, his, Israeli drone designers literally test flew a suicide drone into Armenian soldiers to sell it. Um, I mean, it's uh, it's it's honestly kind of I, I I don't know what what to say about it other than it's it, it should be another thing that the the world should be united against and yeah. they never will. No, I mean it's. It's so frustrating. One of the things that I have, have had a lot of issue with, because obviously I, as as you are, am supportive of Ukrainian people's of attempts to, so far quite successful attempts, to stop Russia from taking over their homes. Um, but one of the things that's happened alongside this is a kind of lionization of a specific kind of Turkish drone, the, the Bayraktar, um, which was particularly effective in the opening stages of the war and military technology military equipment wonks can argue as to whether that was due to russian kind of tactical failures and operational failures or whether it was due to uh new realities about how drones function but yeah. one of the things that was ignored in all of this kind of fetishization of this drone and people raising money to buy more of them is that 
the drones were really combat tested for the first time, massacring Armenians. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's... I try not to get too mad when I see stuff like that because I understand why the Ukrainians yeah, are happy. Yeah, of, of course, and like, of course. I, yeah. I should point out unequivocally, I support Ukraine's fight for independence, just like I wish people um, supported ours. Um, and and the, war, yeah. the wars effectively have the same kind of propaganda angle. Um, obviously before Russia invaded Ukraine, they're talking about, you know, denazification or demilitarization. When, when you look at their speeches and the rhetoric, it's that they believe that Ukraine does not have the right to exist and that Ukrainians are either are Russian or they also should not exist. And that's effectively what we're looking at too. Um, this is why Armenians constantly compare what is happening now to 1915. Um, Azerbaijan continuously says they want Artsakh or Nagorno-Karabakh. They, they want it back, but that's not what they're attacking right now. Um, if you look at the rhetoric of Aliyev and his government going all the way back to the 90s uh, when his dad was in charge and a few other people, um, their ideology is that Armenia is not a real state. Uh, they have claims over our capital, Yerevan. They have, ca- they have claims over the south where they're invading right now. And everywhere those soldiers go, they wipe out the local population of Armenians. Uh, there are no Armenian survivors in Hadrut or Shushi or any of these other places they took in 2020. They're, they do not exist. And ever since then, they've been purposefully going through and destroying any evidence that Armenians ever live there, which is ridiculous. Armenians have been living in these places since before Rome was fucking established. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, and this is obviously, we're talking about the Armenian genocide, which um, occurred during kind of the, and concurrent to the kind of late stages of World War I, um, and uh, was unrecognized by the United States until, what was that now, two years ago, Joe? Yeah, that, something that like that. finally became the first president, first U.S. president to recognize it. And and this is because we we've mentioned Turkey a couple of times. There's a couple of reasons for this, but most of them boil down to not wanting to piss up, piss off the Turkish government. Um, the Turkish government has strong attitudes that essentially everybody in Anatolia is Turkish and always has been. <laughs> yes, right? there were no Greeks, there were no Kurds, there were no Armenians. and this has led to. I mean, it, it's led to ethnic cleansings and genocides against the Armenians and against the Kurds. One of the things that was being done in Rojava um, that I found so compelling was was an attempt to educate, an attempt by the Kurds there to educate people who were joining the YPG about Kurdish complicity in the genocide against Armenia because they recognized themselves as victims of the same thing, you know, starting, I think, you know, I mean, all of the, it's hard to say starting in, right, because we're trying to talk about concurrent conflicts, right. but they all go back, everything's going back Quite a while. You mentioned Aliyev a little bit ago, and I don't want to talk about him. Um, we're talking about Ilham Aliyev, who's the current president of Azerbaijan, the fourth, uh, and of course the the son of the former leader, which is always a recipe for a good uh, functional democracy. Uh, also, his um, wife is vice president. <laughs> yeah, and his wife is vice uh, yeah. president, which is nice. It's just like uh, it's just like House of Cards. <laughs> Yeah, he's the Kevin Spacey. Um, yeah, his his and, attitude and, and rhetoric towards Armenians uh, in general is eliminationist at best. Yeah, um, like at, it, it, he's. I mean, the the countries put out stamps that show Armenia being fumigated, uh, like dirt went during the height of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Which, like, as a genocide scholar, you know, generally when I see yeah. a, a picture of 
a place being gassed, I get suspicious. Um, uh, they've ta- they've talked about uh, how it was a good thing that in the 90s, Armenians were driven from Baku and the Baku progr- uh, pogroms and a few other places. Um, I mean, it, weren't there like literally like some of those trophies at arms shows and stuff yeah. with like pieces of, of captured equipment with blood on it and stuff. Yeah. And they also had, yeah. um, honestly one of the weirdest, like it's incredibly offensive and racist. Uh, the, um, these, um, caricatures of our, of Armenian soldiers who like at the same time, they're like racist towards Armenians, but also vaguely anti-Semitic. Like they looked like, uh, a caricature of a Jewish person that come out of Der Sturmer. Um, with like yeah. you know, and I understand how stereotypically people think uh, uh, Armenians look in like this racist art where we have you know big hooked noses and big eyebrows and things like that, uh, which admittedly I know I meet both of those personally, but <laughs> that's besides yeah. the point. Uh, like if you look at the pictures and they were taken down because like even like Israel was like ooh that's a bit much and like they yeah. helped that happen. Um, but like also to talk, you can't talk about Azerbaijan without talking about Turkey because they have this ideology that's like two people, one state. They, they do believe in like pan Turanism, uh, especially Erdogan. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's been ever, ever since he's gone like full fascist, that's something he's been hammering the drum on. And like, this is an extension of that. He's effectively a neo-Ottomanist. He wants to reunite the Ottoman yeah. empire, which is fucking insane. But also well, has real insane, life things, you know. But also to bring us, you know, to the conflict that Americans are more focusing on, as we've talked about before, this is another similarity between what Russia's doing in Ukraine and what Azerbaijan and Turkey are doing in Armenia. They're both these kind of um, redemptionist dreams of people who want to bring back some sort of lost imperial splendor, right? And are are, are utilizing kind of the tactics that the tactics of, of genocide in order to, to try to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, I think for Turkey, it's a lot of this lost splendor, especially as their economy shits itself mm-hmm. from mismanagement. And I think for Azerbaijan, yeah. it's the other way around mm-hmm. in the nineties. Uh, when we fought the first, uh, Karabakh war, Armenia won. Um, I mean, it wasn't from being military, military, militarily superior or having more money, it had to do with two largely unorganized forces in the fallout of the Soviet Union, and Armenia ended up winning. Um, and ever since then, that loss has been something of uh, like uh, national. It's like, it was kind of like the national mythos of Azerbaijan because before yeah. then, Azerbaijan as a national identity simply didn't exist. It's relatively yeah. new, um, and that loss in that war became the defining moment. That's where um, the loss to Armenia was internalized and it, like it became school curriculum that Armenians were the were at fault for everything we're subhuman we've been compared to cockroaches like for instance if you have say my last name you cannot legally enter the country of Azerbaijan like you cannot enter that country with an Armenian last name uh, it's uh, racism and fascism is state doctrine there so when you know their oil production kicked back up from after the war damages and after the fallout of the Soviet Union on top of military reforms that have been lasting for 30 years, they're the ones on the upswing now, not Turkey, in my opinion. And it also helps they're fighting someone like Armenia, which, you know, Armenians, we have military history and everything, but we have no fucking money. We have no natural resources. We have no allies. We have, no one's going to airdrop pallets of fucking HIMARS in Yerevan. Like, nobody's coming to help us. We have 
AKs that fought in the first war. Uh, we have BMP-1s that have probably seen more combat than most people who are still alive. That's a, an armored personnel carrier, yeah. essentially. We, we yeah. have nothing. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not going to speak about the capabilities of the Armenian military, but like you can imagine what a small landlocked country with a small population, not a lot of money, can field. It's not a lot. Um, yeah, it, it, it's not a lot, and this kind of gets us to another topic that has to be broached, with is, which is kind of talking about the relationship of Russia to all this, because one of the things that's very frustrating about this conflict is that Americans particularly tend to want things very simply. So you hear you've got a Russian client state, uh, which is how it's not what Armenia is. I'm not saying that, Joe, obviously, but is is how it's easy to of kind course. of, especially like kind of in the boil out sort of break things out as is like, okay, you've got this state backed by Russia and then you've got this other state fighting it that's backed by Turkey. Well, Turkey's part of NATO. They're part of, you know, the fight against Russia. So they must be the good guys. And none of that's accurate. No, absolutely um, not. No. But I think it's, I think it's important to explain why. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's really hard to explain Armenian Russia's relationship other than imperialism. Um, mm -hmm. obviously Armenia has been conquered by countless countries throughout our fucking long history, but the most recent one being the Soviet Union, uh, which we did not join willingly. Um, and then after the fall of the Soviet Union, the Russian Federation, um, we're solidly within Russia's sphere of influence and it's by no active choice of ours. We're members of the CTSO, we're members of the Eurasian Economic Union, and neither of those were by choice. We were strong armed into it because there's no, there's nothing else. There's no other option. Um, and as far as it goes, is this like the brotherly relationship or this client state, uh, it, mm -hmm. it would be exactly like someone blaming Ukraine for what happened in Maidan or blaming Ukraine for what happened in 2014 or ha what happened now, because they're trying to get away from that. I mean, we can't, we don't have the resources to do it. I just, just for an example of how Armenia plays like tight ropes, this shit. Never once have we voted in favor of Russia during this war. We like they like our representatives to the UN, our our Ministry of Foreign Affairs, our Prime Minister is solidly neutral because that's the best he can do. Um, right, you know, it's, he's either voted against, uh, he's voted, uh, he's abstained. He's never voted for to support Russia during this war at all. Um, now, obviously, back in 2014, there was a different Armenia. Um, we had uh, a pro-EU movement here that was quite strong. This is before I lived here, of course, um, that voted to declare our intentions to want to join the EU. I believe this is under President Serg Sargissian. Um, and it, it passed overwhelmingly in the popular vote uh, because unlike the people invading us, we are a free and fair democracy with the freedom of speech and expression and everything else that people like to claim they want to defend, but they don't. Um, and after a five-minute meeting with Putin, uh, it was gone. There was no more referendum, and we decided not to join the EU anymore. By we, I mean the president. After that, we had our Velvet Revolution in 2018, which got rid of him um, and distanced ourselves from Russia as much as we realistically could. So in 2014, I believe, uh, for instance, Armenia uh, kind of slightly supported Russia when it came to annexing Crimea. And now you can kind of see why uh, the president was a fucking stooge. That's not the case anymore. We now have a parliamentary system. And uh, as much as I, I'm not the biggest fan of Prime Minister Pashinyan, he's not that guy. Uh, that's not like the 2014 to 2020 in Armenia is a different fucking world. Um, and 
it, I know, like, like you said, people really like to simplify these things. They want this to be a team sport. They want this to be NATO versus Russia and, you know, yeah. people like Belarus or whoever else. But you know, there's, a, there's a pretty big fucking difference here. We have not actively supported this war. There has been anti-war protests outside my fucking window since the war has started. You, Ukrainians have flooded here by the thousands, and they have met nothing but Armenians who have welcomed them with open arms. Russians have come too, and we're not the biggest fans of them, but what can you do about it? <laughs> um, you know, like, yeah, it, we're, we're solidly neutral in this. And, and it's one of the things that fucking, dr- and I mean, granted, neutral government wise, people wise, absolutely yeah. we're not neutral. Um, and I, one of the things that pisses me off the most is that people can see the realities of the war in Ukraine, where they can see right through Russian propaganda when it's like demilitarization, denazification, whatever. And they can see on its face that's complete and utter bullshit. But like when, because uh, you know, Ukraine is fighting for their sovereignty, their independence, and the right to exist that we all have. Um, and when it comes to us, we don't get that. They're like, oh, well, we're calling for both sides to de escalate, and maybe Armenia shouldn't have fucking started this. We haven't done anything. It was fucking midnight yeah. last night, and the South started being bombed. What the fuck is there to be? De-escalated. You can't de-escalate self-defense. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. So you have what is a really uncomfortable situation and one that a lot of people don't like talking about the reality of, because essentially when you have a country like Azerbaijan that is insisting on repeatedly violating the territory of its neighbor, um, and that has proven a not just a willingness, but an eagerness to engage in, engage in acts of ethnic cleansing and genocide, you have two options for dealing with that other than let them do it, right? Option one is send in peacekeepers to stop the aggression. Now, Russia has troops that were called peacekeepers in the area. Um, you know, there's you could debate prior to the invasion of Ukraine how good they were at that job, um, but they certainly are not capable of doing it now. Um, so then the question is, okay, who who what who else's peacekeepers are going to come in, right? And if that's not a realistic solution, and you don't want to let Azerbaijan just do a genocide then what you do is you give them weapons, yes. Armenia weapons, not Azerbaijan. Oh, there, people um, are already doing that part, unfortunately. The U.S. and NATO yeah, included. Yes. Yeah, indeed. Um, and again, there's this, we're all kind of, in terms of like the discourse around this in the United States, living in the shadow of the war on terror, in which an irresponsible quantity of weapons were handed out to an irresponsible variety of groups, um, and many of them went to bad ends in bad places. Um, the reality is that, you know, we're sitting on a fucking stockpile of weapons here in the United States as tall as the sky and handing over a tiny percent of that. When people talk about, like, we're giving this much aid to Ukraine, we're not spending that much cash straight on aid to Ukraine. We're picking up shit we have in mothballs and we'll ha we're handing it to them right. because we've spent all of our treasure on, on on a pile of guns larger than you can conceive of in terms of its actual size and weight. Um... And I don't know, like, when when I think about what is to be fucking done here, realistically, um, I would like for Armenia to have access to javelins and IMARs yeah. and some fucking stingers. I mean, even, um, like, one of the things that pisses me off is, like, like you said, there's two options here. You do nothing and you're complicit mm -hmm. in a genocide. That's what this is. Like, yeah. it, it's, yeah. it's like being silent in, you know... Uh, in, in 1945, it's being silent in 1915, yeah. it's being silent in Rwanda. We were silent during mm -hmm. most of those things, and we saw how they we, all we ended. We sure were. <laughs> like, th there's only um, one way this fucking ends if we don't get guns, and that's with a lot of dead well, Armenians. That, 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 and by, can, by supporting Azerbaijan or sitting out, that is what you explicitly support, is thousands and thousands of dead civilians. Like, that's the only yeah. way this ends. And it is... Again, 
I, and I, I hate keep that we keep going back to Ukraine, but it's relevant because it's the, uh, the, uh, the, it's the conflict that people are actually focusing on. The people who are counter on, on anti-side providing weapons to the Ukrainian military and make claims about corruption, which they could also make about the Armenian government. Sure. Um, and claims about, you know, arms trafficking and all that stuff. But so far... And Ukraine, by the way, is a country with a deeper history of corruption significantly um, than the yeah. Armenian government, even. Yeah. Um, for, that, for all we of haven't its seen faults, evidence. The Armenian yeah. government is less corrupt than Ukraine's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you haven't seen a ton of that happening. What you have seen is the weapons that have been handed to them blowing up invaders' tanks and aircraft. Um, and the sheer quantity that has been destroyed is evidence that that weaponry has been used pretty responsibly. And when you are talking about a group of people facing annihilation, I'm simply not worried that they're going to sell their stingers to fucking ISIS or wherever. Right. Like, that's, Who the that's fuck are we going to sell them to? We have Turkey on one side right. and Azerbaijan on the other. Yeah. Are we going to sell them to Georgia? That's actually fine. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's... I, I don't know. I I think people are fucking yeah. gutless. Um, you saw this happen in February before, or in January before the war in Ukraine started, when people yeah. were like, "Oh, weapons are only going to make it worse." No, they're fucking not. <laughs> you know what's worse than an, <laughs> than an armed population defending itself is an unarmed one being murdered anyway. And we, in case nobody paid attention, because they probably didn't, you can go back and look at the video footage of what happens to unarmed Armenians in 2020, and it's the same fucking yeah. shit ISIS did to Yazidis. It's the same fucking shit they did to Kurds, and it's the same fucking shit that will happen again if we do not get what we need to defend ourselves. And I don't give a fuck if you don't like Russia. I don't fucking like Russia either, but it's the reality that we live in. If, if, you're, if you're fucking intelligent yeah. enough to realize the, 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 the diplomacy and geopolitics of how Ukraine ended up in the war that they're in now, you should understand why we are in the situation that we are in too. You cannot realistically believe we deserve what is happening unless you also believe Ukraine deserves what's happening to them. It's yeah, impossible. I I don't know. This is obviously how could this not be like emotional? And it, 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 it is just feeling like I can't and it must be so much worse obviously just being there but like this this feeling of a fucking train coming at you and um People aren't going to do shit because there's this fucking problem with optics. And it's more complicated when we talk about, I'm talking about, when I talk about optics, I guess we're talking about discourse. When it comes about, like, why politically the United States is unlikely to do anything like what we've suggested, it's more complicated than that. And a decent amount of it comes down to the fact that we have, what is it, 13 nuclear weapons stationed in Turkey right now? Yep, and Insurlik, um, which pretty, is land yeah. stolen from Armenians from the genocide. Mm-hmm. Great stuff, America. Well done. (laughs) We really knocked it out of the park. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. What is it that people can do to help outside of you know, trying to become informed about the conflict? which I think we can talk about some sources at the end of this. Are there places, you know, Red Cross-style things that people can donate to to help to the extent that that kind of thing is helpful? Yeah, um, I mean, you know, generally uh, crowdfunding for weapon systems is illegal unless you're Ukraine nowadays. So Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking more about medical yeah. aid. Um, yeah. The Armenian Red Cross is always a good option. They helped a lot in 2020. Yeah. They still help now. We still have a ton of internally displaced people. Um, there's also the Hindramin fund, which directly funds, uh, wounded servicemen because we really don't have a VA exactly here. Um, there's, uh, quite a few other ones, but the, the Armenian Red Cross is of course, uh, the most reliable and easy to donate if you're in the West for sure. You don't have to navigate any confusing Armenian language websites because it's, it's hard and Armenia isn't great at the internet. So like most of them don't have translations. (laughs) Um, yeah, but you know, it's, yeah, I, I understand I'm a little bit more emotional than most people probably hear me on podcasts, but like, um, I'm mad. How could you I, not? I'm be? mad. I'm, yeah. I'm fucking frustrated. Um, I don't know how much longer people can let this kind of thing happen. Um, yeah. I, I hope the EU's uh, gas this winter is fucking worth it because this is what you got. This is what that deal got us. So I, I hope you're nice and warm in the fucking winter 
because we probably won't have power or we'll have more dead or whatever. But I'm real glad you pivoted away from Russian gas and signed a deal with fucking Azerbaijan, you spineless fucks. <laughs> and it's, uh, I mean, the, the, it goes, it's, the spinelessness is deeper than that, right? Because the reason why the fucking gas crunch that led to that deal happened in the first place was, among a number of things, years of ceding to Russian government aggression in places like Georgia and in yeah. places like Ukraine. And and you've got that, you know, here you have the invasion by Azerbaijan almost two, like two years ago now. And then there's another um, one in 2016 before any, that. Yeah. And and no pushback, right? None. And when you zero this is this is the thing is, and this is not a popular kind of thing to go to talk about on the left, but but it's true. If you want to pay attention to why why that whole World War II situation got so goddamn bad, a big part of it is there not being any kind of effective rules-based international order to stop bigger countries or at least more aggressive ones from fucking with their neighbors. And one of the things we were supposed to have learned from that war is that you don't let people do that. It's bad. Yeah. Um, and it shouldn't then we be did that a hard to explain it, right? to people <laughs> yeah, that when know, a motherfucker a shows up. It, yeah. yeah, like it shouldn't be that hard. Ticks, I don't care what your politics is. I mean, everybody knows that we're both very left wing. But when someone comes and continuously fucks with you, the only way to make them stop is by hitting yeah. them in the goddamn face until they realize it's not a good idea. Like, and this I is, don't care. Like, diplomacy doesn't work when one side only wants you dead. You can't debate my right to live or my neighbor's right to live or these kids' right to live or their fucking school's bombed right now. You, there's no debate to be had. You have to hit them until they fucking stop. There's like, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, there's not going to be any de-escalation of fucking genocide. Like, that's not how this works. People tend to get this in the immediate sense when you're talking about, you know, some fucking bigot in front of you. Everybody, everybody loves, uh, you know, cheering on a video of some guy you know, dropping a racial slur and getting knocked to the ground. Obviously, those are a lot right, of fun. Right, those are great. <laughs> um, but the, 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 the moral is that if you let assholes, the actual moral of, like, why it's important to punch Nazis in the face when they're doing Nazi shit is that if you just let them do Nazi shit and you try to, like, appease them and calm them down, you'll often calm them down here and there and they'll, like, back off, but they'll have gotten a little bit more. They'll have gotten a little bit of what they want. They'll have gotten a little bit further and they just keep making shit worse until somebody actually does fucking drop them. And it's the same with, you know, and, and again, I, 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 we just talked about what the great lesson of World War II should have been. And the thing that actually happened is the generation that took power in the United States and in a lot of other Western countries after that, not exclusively the West, but I think we're talking about our, right. our, our people here, um, immediately went and fucked around and carried out acts of aggression all over the world. Um, but that doesn't mean the basic lesson is bad. The lesson is don't let people, we should not have been allowed to do that. Um, but we shouldn't like, that should not be a thing that the world accepts. Like the, 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 you can't just sit back and be like, oh, well, that country's going to go do a genocide now, but it's far away. So there's nothing to be done. Um, right. other than or continue to buy the oil of the people doing the genocide and thereby fund the genocide. Right, um, like it, it's it's fucking unconscionable, man. Like, and e even if you want to look at this as like the West also fucked around during the Cold War, which like, yeah, you know what? Stop sure, them? everybody did. You know it what? Stop them. Fuck around. They yeah. didn't fuck around so much in Southeast Asia after the U.S. got punched in the fucking face in Vietnam, did they? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, 
Like, there was a lot less fuckery. This shouldn't, this shouldn't um, be this fucking complicated. I don't. I don't care yeah. what political ideology you subscribe to. Like it's self defense. Like yeah, it's collective it's self-defense. mutual self defense. When and, we and need f- help, you give us fucking help. Like yeah, and- it, it, it it shouldn't be that fucking hard. I, I mean, to be fair, for for some people, it will never truly matter um, because they don't see countries like Armenia or countries like Azerbaijan as having agency to do their own things and want their own things. Um, and if that is you, I, I hope to see your house on CNN one day. Um, but like, you know, that does, there should be like, that sounds like, um, like an old Russian curse, like may yeah. your house be on CNN. I, I one believe day. it's from the Balkans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Some little old lady saying that to you. Like, we we have the right to freedom as much as anyone else, and um, not only that, we've achieved it. Like Armenia is a is a moderately progressive place. I mean, we're still working on some things. We have the freest democracy in the region. Um, we have great standard of living for most people, um, and it is only getting better. This is a place that has freer and fairer elections than virtually anyone else over here, to include Russia. To include fucking Ukraine, to include Turkey, yeah. to include all these places that people insist are worth defending. I'm just curious why we're not. Like, why are like why are Armenians less than? What did we ever fucking do to deserve this? It's it's incredibly depressing. Um, I'm maybe yeah. we're not the right shade of white. I don't I don't fucking know anymore, man. Like. It's yeah. It, it's it's really weird to me. Um, even like internationally, uh, uh, geopolitically, you know, uh, the Secretary of State Blinken uh, urged both sides to de-escalate. Suck my fucking dick! Like, mm-hmm. what are we de-escalating? They're invading us. I would like yeah. to ask Al Qaeda. <laughs> How I would like do to ask you the invest Un- de-escalate? I would that. really like to ask the city of New York mm-hmm. to de-escalate when planes flew into the World Trade Center. Like, yeah. get the fuck out of here. Like, how do you de-escalate this? They're bombing cities. Like, it, it, it's, it's maddening. Um, and it's not going to end. It is. It's not going to end until someone fucking ends it. We can't. Uh, we, yeah. we just had a generationally destroying war two years ago that we've not recovered from. We have a, an entire society that's dealing with various different forms of PTSD. Um, we don't have the, the institutions to take care of all of the victims from two years ago. Um, we didn't get any help then either. And we're not going to get any help now. I, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I think again, there's this, there's this tendency towards isolationism in the left brought on by the Iraq war, but none of this if nothing is done, if there's no international response to this, and if the Azeris aren't aren't stopped by you know in autochthonic resistance, um, then it won't stop with Armenia because violence of this sort never does. There's a there's a book. I'm interested in your thoughts on it actually, Joe, but I found it quite illuminating a, a number of years ago. An inconvenient genocide by Adam Hochschild, which is about mm. the Armenian genocide and its influence on Hitler making the point that even though Hitler <laughs> never was anywhere close to Armenia, neither were any fucking German troops, for that matter, particularly close. Oh, they sure um, were. Uh, Imperial German troops uh, were Oh, well, yeah. Were, were very much in charge of a lot of different death squads. Uh, so, it's it's, an, it's a weird story. Hitler's, Hitler's Germany. Yeah, of course. I, I apologize. I, 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 meant, I meant the Wehrmacht. To be fair, they but tried. Not, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, but the, the point that Hochschild was making was that Hitler was not 
engaged in the Armenian genocide, but he paid attention to it. And the fact that the the Young Turks got away with it, yeah, um, and and got to take that take land that, as you pointed out, is currently occupied by some U.S. nuclear warheads, um, was was part of what emboldened him to do not just the Holocaust, but everything he did in Europe. And there was a line specifically in reference to the Holocaust from Hitler, I believe it was during his table talk, that was like, essentially he was saying, well, of course we'll get away with it. Nobody remembers Armenians anymore. Yeah, it's literally like, on the wall yeah, of our genocide Did anyone do anything here? to Turkey? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the thing that's is like, the fucking it goes back to 2020, to right? Like everybody was saying, because I mean, I understand the politics behind Artsakh are messy for people who are not from this region, and I, I'm, I don't have enough time to go into them. The uh, majority uh, Armenian population that was given to Azerbaijan by the Soviet Union with absolutely no process, and they attempted to vote to join Armenia while we were still in the Soviet Union, which is well within the rights, according to the Soviet Union's constitution, if such rights functionally existed, which they did not. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what started the first war. But... In 2020, uh, every war has been about that ever since, effectively, uh, at least politically on its surface, because internationally is recognized as part of Azerbaijan um, because they go off old Soviet maps for fucking reasons. I don't know. I mean, we could talk about Sykes-Picot. Yeah, exactly. But but like, you know, in 2020, people were saying that like, oh, if this will all end if Armenia simply gives up Artsakh, which we don't claim Artsakh. Nobody, I mean, some, some people do. The government does not. Um, we don't recognize it as an independent country either, which they themselves have declared themselves. It's, it's messy, I understand. But um, mm-hmm. it's, it's not within the Republic of Armenia to negotiate the non-existence of the Republic of Artsakh. That is their right to self-determination. That is politically what the government believes. Now, they were saying, well, now that these areas have been taken over by Azerbaijan, we can finally move towards peace. There was fucking peace talks a week ago. The, the, the Prime Minister Pashinyan met with Aliyev, I believe in Belgium. I don't, I'm not entirely sure. They literally met a week ago. Maybe it was two weeks ago. Like it, it was very recent. But the thing is, is every time this peace process starts again, this happens. Because it's not about Arsakh. It's not about Nagano-Karabakh. It's not about any of these. It's, it's about our right our fundamental right to exist. They do not believe in it. Like it's not just like it wasn't about um, Jews uh, being involved in business. It wasn't about Jews no. marrying Germans. It was about their fundamental right to exist. Like that's yeah. it, it's all it is. It, it's the same could be said for Palestinians. This is this isn't about pa- Palestinians. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, fucking, speaking of which, fucking Israelis are dep- you, just placing Armenians in Palestine as well. Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's not about so it's not about these these small little uh, yeah. nibbles that they're taking. It's not about the freedom of movement. It's not about your right to date someone, which came up recently. They made some Israeli law against that. You have to declare yeah. your romantic intentions before you go into the West Bank or whatever. Like yeah. it's not about those things. Those are maybe means maybe that'll to make end. it easier to maybe that'll make it easier to get the uh, the American leftists on this one, right? No, no, guys, is, is Israel's the bad yeah. the bad guys here? We yeah. can do this. Fuck, even Noam Chomsky <laughs> wouldn't deny this genocide. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's there you not, go. That's not entirely true. He probably would. <laughs> but um, um, it, 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 the thing is, is it's not about these small nibbles. It's not about your right to do X or your right to do Y. It's not about. Art socks, right? The freedom. It's, 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 they don't believe you should exist. And it, they will take and take and take and take until you're fucking powerless and they can wipe you out. 
That is their yeah. goal. I mean, you can see that in Palestine. You can see that in Arsakh. You can see that increasingly in Armenia. You can see that's what Russia's goal was in Ukraine. It was Russia's goal in Georgia. Like, it's how imperialism fucking works. It doesn't have to have an American flag or a British flag over it for that to be what it's called. It's genocidal imperialism. And like, if, if you're too dumb to fucking see that, I don't know what else to tell you. Like, I, I don't know how else easy. Do you need me to draw yeah. it in fucking crayon? Like, yeah, I, I and I, I, I think we're both getting angry here primarily at, at groups of people who I don't believe are the, the primary listeners that we'll have on this. Not necessarily, um, no. But, but, like, I, but, I, but I get it. Like, yeah. no, it's, it's this constant fucking thing you have whenever there's a war anywhere and you are like, well, what is the solution? Well, the people who are the victims need to have access to weapons. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, if you're, and if you're saying, which I agree with, sending in U.S. or whatever troops to X country usually doesn't work out, then what, are the, what is the option? Give them fucking weapons. Yeah, and honestly, um, like, what would make the situation worse if we had American soldiers here? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't, I just don't think that's a thing that logistically the U.S. military can do. Well, oh, it would never happen. It's a whole, it that's a mess. There's yeah, not even a base here. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah. like, there's some situations where, yes, Military assistance could make a situation worse. Bad things yeah. will happen. You cannot deploy large amounts of weapons or soldiers to a specific area without there being some kind of negative effects. However, you have sure. to realistically weigh the good and the bad. Yeah, the, the, the world military, the allies bombed Germany flat, but they stopped the fucking Holocaust. Yeah, yeah. we blew up a, a fair amount of people in the 90s we stopped the genocide. Like we blew mm-hmm. up the shit out of ISIS. And there was also some civilian casualties, which fucking suck. Quite a few. But you yeah. stopped the Yazidi genocide with the assistance of the yep. PKK and, and the YPG and the YPJ. Like you cannot unleash military power without the acceptance that innocent people are going to die. The way but that you he, weigh that is more yeah. fucking people are going to die if you don't. That's, that's, I think, the key of it, and probably the point to close on, is that it's not a decision, do we, do we bring violence to this situation or not? The, situa- the question is, how, how lopsided will the violence be? Right. Will the violence be uh, one state armed by its allies massacring uh, an under-equipped you know, military and then civilians until there's no one left of the people who inhabited that area? Um, or will those people have the equipment to defend themselves? Like that, that's the question. There's no, there's no, the situation, the only way for the situation to not be violent is for Azerbaijan to not do what they're doing right now. Right. Um, and Hey, if, if some sort of fucking diplomatic pressure works, I will, I will be unbelievably psyched to eat both of our words in this. If the if yeah. fucking Blinken manages to, I don't, I don't, yeah, I have no idea like how, how you actually, have an impact here, but that would be lovely. I just don't think it's likely. Yeah, there's, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's a time for diplomacy, and that time ends mm-hmm. when troops attempt to cross the border, or they start cluster bombing our cities. Like, there, there's a time for diplomacy, and not that you can do two things at once. And, and to be completely clear, I'm not calling for, like, the 101st to fucking land in Yerevan or whatever. Like, I don't want the American military to come here. We'll take care of ourselves, but we need the tools to do so. And yeah, the fact remains is like you can be vehemently against war. I know I am. I fought in them. They fucking suck. I do not want war to happen to anybody. But 
when they when it comes talking's over or at least it it hits the back burner like there's negotiations going on in Ukraine and Russia that we don't hear about but at the yeah. same time Ukraine knows they have to continue doing violence in the meantime like you can't there, you can't just be like whoa guys let's just hit the brakes and let's like have a fucking peace conference in Belgium or whatever like Suniak is being bombed Goris is being bombed like Armenians are dying like there's no words that will fix that but we'll fix it is fucking Artillery systems, HIMARS, GPS-guided yeah. weapons, fucking body armor. We don't even have first aid kits. Like, there's, there's, yeah. there's things that we need that can happen uh, in addition to political pressure. Because political pressure is great if we ever have it, but there needs to be something in the meantime. Like, um, uh, the director of Doctors Without Borders one time said um, something that was incredibly controversial when he said it because he's a doctor and he runs, you know, a charity. He said... You can't stop a genocide with doctors. And he meant that nope. you need to give people fucking weapons because, you know, there's like, like we already said, and, and then I'll promise I'll stop talking. Um, <laughs> there's two ways that this ends. We defend ourselves and we survive, or you sit by and you do nothing. And uh, there's thousands of more graves full of Armenians by the end of this. That's it. I mean, once upon a time, the world said never again. And that shit has had a big fucking asterisk next to it ever since. And people need to prove themselves. Need to fucking prove that words actually mean things. If you want to defend democracies and shit like you do in Ukraine, I have a fucking democracy for you to defend, and we need weapons. <laughs> yeah, I think that's as good a note as any to end on. Joe Kasabian, um, host of Lions Led by Donkeys, uh, author of The Hooligans of Kandahar. You've got other bunch of other books that have come out now. Yeah, um, I have yeah. the Victory of Death series out uh, if you enjoy military sci-fi. Uh, and I have another one coming out in October uh, called the Frontier Corps. Uh, you can pre-order it now. Um, if you look on my uh, Twitter, um, you can uh, find a link to pre-order it. It's uh, free mm -hmm. if you have um, Kindle Unlimited. So, you know, if, if, yeah. for the ebook. Um, so, yeah. Um, uh, also, if you don't feel like giving me money, that's that's great to donate to the Armenian Red Cross. They need it more than I do. Yeah. Um, all right, everybody. That's the episode. Um, bye. It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 